0: What's up, everyone? I'm Joe Pompliano, and this is The Joe Pomp Show. I hope you're having an incredible week so far, because it's about to get even better. Thursday is the 2023 NFL Draft. Now, this has been talked about for months at this point. It's on every TV show you can imagine. There's new mock drafts every single day, and rumors are now even changing the odds of where specific players are going to get drafted. But I want to talk about the business behind the draft because this is now one of the biggest sporting events in the country. It's a multi-million dollar business every single year, and I think it is fascinating. So let's get right into it. All right, so this year's draft is in Kansas City, Missouri. There will be more than 300,000 people in attendance, and it could get up to 500 or 600,000, depending on the weather. Taxpayers are spending $3 million on the construction of temporary infrastructure. And the venue, the theater, is the size of a football field. Now, crews have hauled in more than 500 semi-trucks worth of material, including seven and a half miles of fence lines and 1.5 miles of concrete barriers. And it's a music festival, too. There's performances by Fallout Boy, Motley Crue, and Thundercat throughout the weekend. The easiest way to put it is that the NFL draft is a spectacle, plain and simple. The first round will be watched by roughly 10 million people. And with the installation of 168 speakers, and 10,000 square feet of video display boards. The production quality is second to none. But the NFL draft wasn't always this flashy. In fact, ESPN made it this way. Let me explain. The NFL didn't actually even have an annual draft for its first 15 years of existence. But then Eagles owner, Burt Bell, who would later become the NFL commissioner, was tired of his team losing and pitched an idea to even the playing field. He wanted a draft of college players in which teams would pick based on the reverse order of finish from the year prior, how the draft is run today. So the Eagles owner, Burt Bell, told the other owners about this, and there's a direct quote from him here. I'll read it. Gentlemen, I've always had the theory that pro football is like a chain. The league is no stronger than its weakest link, and I've been a weak link for so long that I should know. Every year, the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. Four teams control the championships, the Giants and Redskins in the East and the Bears and Packers in the West. Because they are successful, they keep attracting the best college players in the open market which makes them successful. I propose a change. So that's how the NFL draft was born. Basically, the way it worked before was that the college players could go sign with any teams they wanted, and the best teams were obviously signing the best players because they wanted to play for the good teams and get paid the most money. So the new draft gets installed, and the first NFL draft was held in 1936 at the Ritz-Carlton Hotel in Philadelphia. There were only 81 players selected at the time, compared to 262 today. And if you look at the 81 players that were picked, only a portion of them, I think it was 26, ended up going to the NFL. And the top pick that year, Heisman winner Jay Bernwager, turned down the NFL to become a bone rubber salesman instead. Literally, he turned down the NFL, the top overall pick and the Heisman trophy winner. Didn't want to go to the NFL. He thought he could make more money as a salesman. So obviously the NFL was different back then. In fact, the NFL draft was so different. That it was a huge deal when they upgraded from a chalkboard to a projector where they wrote the names in 1970. Up to 1969, they were literally writing the names on a chalkboard. The commissioner in the NFL would stand up there, Pete Rozelle, and he would write on a chalkboard who was getting picked, what teams were drafting, et cetera. Everyone was in a ballroom at the hotel. Then it turned into a projector. And a big shift happened in 1980. A new all-sports cable network, known as ESPN, approached NFL commissioner Pete Rozelle and asked to broadcast the draft. Now, Roselle and the 28 other NFL owners at the time were hesitant. Actually, all 28 owners voted no because they were curious, like, why would anyone want to watch them read names off a list like a phone book? They didn't think it was going to be popular. They didn't think anyone cared. But ESPN was persistent. They had just launched the network, I think, six months prior, and they were looking for some content for this new channel, the All Sports Channel, and they eventually convinced the NFL to agree. Roselle actually went behind the owner's back and said, just tell them that they're going to cover the draft. We're not going to give them like crazy access, any of that stuff. So ESPN decided to send five employees to the hotel. It was actually the New York Sheraton at this point. And they had a desk set up outside of the room and they were reporting half there and then half in Bristol, Connecticut. And they were going back and forth talking about the different picks. Fun fact, one of the players that was on the desk analyzing the draft was Vince Papali. Obviously, you guys know who Vince Papali is if you've seen the movie Invincible. He was the former Eagles play who has chronicled his story in that movie. Now, there was other people, too. There was former general managers and owners and people like that that were speaking on kind of the draft picks like you see today. But it wasn't like a huge deal. You know, it was the start of something, but it wasn't huge. And that was the first one that was ever broadcasted in 1980. And it has expanded drastically from then. So I don't want to go through every single year. I think it's kind of tiresome at that point. But I want to point out a few different facts that I think are interesting. The NFL draft used to to, uh, start on a Tuesday, and it ended on Wednesday. So it was two days long, and ESPN would go off air midway through the second round. So they would broadcast the first round, talk through some of the picks, maybe show some highlights, whatever it was. The second round, they didn't think anyone cared, so they would stop and stop broadcasting. But then it moved to Sunday through Monday in 1988, and get this. The reason why they moved to Sunday was because the ballroom rate, the fee required to rent the ballroom at the Marriott Marquis Hotel, was cheaper. Literally, the fee was cheaper on Sunday to do it than on Tuesday and Wednesday. So they went on Sunday. Then in 1993, ESPN started televising every single pick of the draft. Two years after that, in 1995, the NFL draft moved to the weekend. In 2010, the NFL draft was moved to its current format in prime time. And every single year, ESPN now prepares a highlight package for every single draft pick. So 259 players will have their highlights shown when they are drafted this year. Obviously, ESPN has to do it a lot more than that. I think it's up to five or six hundred now that they prepare just in case certain people get drafted. They have like four or five hundred different graphics package ready for the NFL draft on TV also. And it's become this massive, massive, massive huge production. They've been doing it for 44 straight years, and it has become one of the most popular things in sports. This episode is sponsored by SoFi. SoFi is the all-in-one finance app, helping you bank, borrow, invest, and save. SoFi's mission is to help members achieve financial independence and realize their ambition, all in one app. It's the single app you need to get your money right. I'm a SoFi member, and I love it. SoFi is legit, and they comply with the strict regulatory standards of the FDIC, so you can be sure that your money is safe. Visit SoFi.com slash Joe to learn more. That's SoFi.com slash Joe All right, let's get back to this episode. Now, one of the interesting things here is that The NFL decided to hit the road in 2016. They've now held the draft after holding it in New York for all of those years. They've held it in Chicago, Philadelphia, Dallas, Nashville, Cleveland, and they even did one virtual in 2020. This has become a massive, massive, massive business, not only for the NFL, but the cities that are hosting this event. For some context here, there's anywhere between like 200 to 600,000 people showing up to these events in person. So the first one in Chicago was a couple hundred thousand. Philadelphia got 250,000. Dallas was 200,000. Nashville in 2019 was the biggest one we've ever seen. 600,000 people showed up to that draft over the different rounds. 160,000 in Cleveland. And this year in Kansas City, they're expecting a minimum of 300,000 people to show up to the NFL draft. It could go up to 600,000 depending on the weather. It's at Union Station, which is a really big area. There's a lot of grass, and there's a bunch of area to do the concerts and different activities and stuff like that. It's supposed to be the biggest sporting event in Kansas City history, the most people going to one single event. And when you look at what's happened in person, that's just one part of it because the TV numbers are insane. For example, the 2020 virtual NFL draft, the first round of that draft was watched by more than 15 million people, the first round. 15 million people. And if you looked at all the rounds, it was watched by an average. Every single round of that draft was watched by an average of 8.3 million people. Now, I want to give you some context about why that is so crazy. And we won't use 2020 because that was a little bit of an outlier with COVID and being so high. But even last year in Las Vegas, more than 10 million people watched the first round of the draft. And when you compare that to other major league drafts, the NFL's drafts first round coverage last year, average viewership was 152% higher than the NBA draft. 1,185% higher than the MLB draft, and more than 2,000% higher than the NHL draft. So hard numbers now. The NFL draft averaged 10 million viewers last year round one. Round one of the NBA draft averaged 4 million. Round one of MLB averaged 780,000. And round one of the NHL draft averaged under 500,000 viewers. Now, that's impressive, but I don't really consider it all that impressive because the other leagues aren't known for their drafts. The NBA one's like getting bigger and it's cool. But MLB is relatively small. They have so many rounds. NHL is the smallest of them all. But even when you look at big time sporting events, the NFL draft is king. Let me explain. 10 million viewers last year for the first round of the NFL draft. That was better than every single event on battle list. Get ready. The Daytona 500. The NFL Pro Bowl. Stanley Cup Final Game 6. The U.S. Open Final Round for golf. The PGA Championship Final Round for golf. The British Open Final Round. Golf. Indianapolis 500 the UEFA Champions League final in the United States, the Wimbledon men's final, US Open men's final tennis, MLS Cup, French Open men's final for tennis, the Wimbledon women's final, the US Open women's final, the French Open women's final, the Australian Open men's final, the Australian Open women's final. So all across sports, 10 million viewers is insane. And the craziest part really is that they didn't ever actually expect this to happen. At the time when ESPN wanted to broadcast the event, They said, look, we're just reading names off a uh, a list like a phone book. We don't think people are going to be interested. And I think ESPN actually deserves a lot of credit for this because they essentially, when I said earlier, they built this draft. That's exactly what they did. They built this draft from scratch. It wasn't a thing. They've been the partner the entire time, and they have made it into the production that they have. Now, just for some context on kind of like what this means for the grand scheme of things, It's a three-day event, right? Round one is on Thursday this week. Rounds two and three are on Friday, and rounds four through seven are on Saturday. The stage is insane. It is the size of a football field, the theater. About 50 players usually go to the first round of the draft. Some of them get picked. Some don't get picked. Some might get picked in the second round. They end up having a bunch of things to do around the event for sponsors and partners and stuff like that. They do a bunch of media events. Again, it's turning into this atmosphere that's kind of like a Formula One race, if you really think about it. There's concerts, there's other events. Panini is now hosting an event there as a sponsor. There's going to be some exhibitions. There's going to be a 40-yard dash, field goal kicks, vertical jump, autograph sessions with current and former players, photo ops with the Lombardi Trophy, and you're going to be able to see every single Super Bowl ring that is in existence. So again, this is going to be the biggest event in Kansas City sports history. And when you look at what's happening in general when it comes to the NFL draft, I think the most interesting thing that we're seeing is that this is a legitimate business now. I've heard, and several other people have probably said this at this point, but cities are petitioning. They're trying to get, they're bidding almost to some degree to get the NFL draft. And when you think about the events that have done that in the past, that's really only been done for the Super Bowl. There's no other event for the NFL that really does that, right? The Pro Bowl was always in Hawaii. Now it's in Las Vegas. But it's not like this huge thing that all these other cities want. Sure, maybe they'll take it. It's an influx of visitors, but it's not like massive like the draft. So what we've seen is the cities are now petitioning. They're begging. They're bidding. They're pleading with the NFL to be able to get the NFL draft each year. We've seen a number of cities do it so far, but it's becoming to like the Super Bowl atmosphere for these cities. And the reason for it is simple. Kansas City taxpayers are going to pay $3 million right now this year to be able to build the draft stage and have all the infrastructure to support it. But they're going to make tens of millions of dollars in hotels, in restaurants, in just income from taxes and everything else associated with the amount of people that are flooding into Kansas City for this event. And that's only one piece. If you think about the number of employees and the jobs that this creates, the small construction companies that are nearby, the production equipment, all that stuff, it's a huge economic boom to the city of Kansas City because of how many people are attracted to this event, how big it has gotten over time. Again, ESPN deserves a lot of credit, but the NFL deserves a lot of credit too. They've taken something, in my mind, that is traditionally like forgotten about. Again, the NBA is like relatively big, but it's always in New York. And there's, you know, three, four million viewers. 2021, I think averaged slightly under or over two million viewers. But it's not like this big thing. The NHL draft is tiny, right? They travel to different host cities, but it's in an arena. There's some attendance, but TV ratings are very, very, very low. It's only two days. The MLB is like Atrocious. I don't even know why they do what they do. It's a million different rounds. It's not huge. They're trying a little bit harder to do it better. I thought they actually did it a little bit better last year. They're trying to build it up now during the All-Star break. So last year's draft was held alongside the All-Star game in Los Angeles, and it got nearly a million viewers. So I think they're actually changing it. And like MLB is doing a bunch of stuff that I actually think is really good right now. If you look at all the rule changes that we've seen so far this year, whether it's the pitch clock or the shifts or kind of anything else related to the actual gameplay. They've done a tremendous job. It seems like interest is back up. Viewership is increasing so far this year. A little bit early to tell, but they're doing good stuff. I think that's going to continue. They're trying now, it seems like, to turn this into an annual event like the NFL draft is doing. We'll see if that can happen. The NFL is the blueprint for this. And I think that they've done an incredible job. We'll see what other cities are eventually willing to give up to do this. But my guess is that the NFL is eventually going to turn this into something like the Super Bowl, if they haven't already, really, where they're asking stuff of you, right? Like It's not just like, hey, we're going to be able to give you the draft. If you think about the Super Bowl, one of the most interesting things with that is it's one of the key ways that the NFL gets cities to give taxpayer money to fund new stadiums. So if you think about the new stadiums that have been built, you're essentially guaranteeing yourself that you're going to have the ability to hold a Super Bowl. MetLife Stadium, right? That that weather was nasty. They held a Super Bowl, there, literally. So if you think about You know, SoFi Stadium obviously got a Super Bowl. Minnesota got one, right? All these different stadiums are getting Super Bowls because they want to incentivize the cities to help build new stadiums. That's obviously extremely important in the NFL. We're seeing what's happening right now in real time with the Oakland A's and what's happened with their stadium with an unwillingness to build one. Same thing with Tampa Bay. They're trying to get a new one built in St. Petersburg. So it's a key bargaining chip for the NFL to be able to get that. I think they're going to do the exact same thing with the NFL draft. They're already doing it to some degree, right? Nashville got it. Dallas got it. Philadelphia got it. Cleveland got it. Now Kansas City is going to get it. Not new stadiums, but they're incentivizing these big time football cities that have rabid fan bases to come in, pack the thing so they can go sell it for higher amounts later on. I think it is really, 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 really smart. It's one of the great things that the commissioners have done over the last few years. Roger Goodell has been a pioneer of that as well. He has done a good job for everything that he's gotten crap for he has expanded the the NFL's business. If you look at the NFL draft, the Super Bowl, the CBA labor piece, the media deals that they've done, that's the reason why he gets paid over a hundred million dollars a year, nearly double or triple more than every other commissioner in sports today. And this is something that's going to continue. It's only going to get bigger, but I hope you guys were able to learn something during this podcast. Again, the numbers are just absolutely fascinating. The thing that really mind boggled me was like, Just picture, you know, 300,000, 500,000 people in this circle outside of Kansas City. It is huge. It's going to be massive. Again, it's the size of a football field. 500 semi-trucks worth of material came into this thing, and I will certainly be watching. I hope you guys are too. I hope your team picks exactly who you want to pick, and you enjoy the event. Last but not least, please make sure to subscribe to this podcast feed if you are not already subscribed. Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you listen to it. It helps grow the podcast. It helps more people see the podcast. Share it with your friends. I love that. Please, please, please. And thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you have an amazing week, and we will be talking again on Friday. Bye.